Welcome to the Prospector Podcast, a bi-weekly production bringing you the minor perspective. Welcome back to a new episode of the Prospector Podcast. This is Ana Diaz here to recap some of the top stories uploaded on our website, theprospectordaily.com. In news, reporter Maria Saletontiveros covers the celebration of life for President Emerita Diana Natalicio on the UTEP campus, an event reflecting the life of Dr. Natalicio, who led the university for 31 years. In arts and culture, reporter Levi Carlos tells us about the costumes El Pasoans will be wearing this Halloween as the community embraces the spooky season. And in sports, sports editor Emily Velasquez covers the Utah Miners volleyball team against the UAB Blazers, where the team came up short in five sets. You can read these stories and more at theprospectordaily.com. The Student Alumni Association, SAA, is hosting its 14th annual Haunted Campus Tour. Come hear all about the spooky stories that encompass UTEP's history. Don't miss out on one of UTEP's most anticipated events of the year. UTEP's SAA promotes UTEP minor pride throughout the community on and off campus. They bridge the gap between current students and alumni and help facilitate networking between each other. Anyone can join the group, the only requirement is being a student. The group hosts many different events throughout the school year, one of them being the Haunted Campus Tour. So the Haunted Campus Tours, it's basically like a like a haunted house, but it's just like tours on UTEP in, in like a spooky way. It, it actually describes like actual ghost occurrences and supernatural experiences that students and employees have had uh, while being at UTEP. And that's main that's mainly what haunted camp, campus consists of. But that's the tours portion. We also offer like activity like fun activities for like the people that are participating if they want to bring like their family or their children. So the, there's there's a lot that goes into haunted campus. This year's theme is mystery at Minor Manor. The tour is being held from six to eleven p.m. Friday, October 29th, and is open to everyone in the community. Tickets for the event are on sale right now for $6 and will be $10 the day of the event. The tour begins in Centennial Plaza and will be going on throughout this night. While waiting for your tour, enjoy the Halloween activities in the plaza and the tables of other UTEP organizations. It is not only SAA that does Haunted Campus, we reach out to all other organizations to either table and or have volunteers and they get to learn their scripts of the ghost stories around each and every single like a location that we're doing and we have all the ghost stories of every single building but we choose some for every year right um we offer tabling to other organizations and we also like to reach out again this year <laughs> if they like to uh table for us on the tour participants will learn the history of the utep campus and the backstories from the oldest buildings such as cotton memorial and old main guests on the tour will also learn about supernatural occurrences that have happened at each building Stories date back to the early years of the campus up to as recently as 2018. One of these stories takes place in Dormitory Row, consisting of the old dormitory buildings which have been converted into classrooms and offices. The tale recounts one fateful night when a student who wasn't very popular was dared to jump from one building to the next. The student wanted to be accepted by his peers, so he took the leap of faith, literally, but sadly he did not make it and fell to his death. You can still hear his last screams to this day. I'm excited to get people scared, but also for people to learn some of the history of the buildings as well as 
understanding that there's other alumni that have stayed with us even after the grave. To buy tickets for the tour or to sign up to volunteer, visit www.alumni.utep.edu SAA. In case you miss out on the tour, you can also listen to the UTEP's SAA 13th Annual Haunted Campus Podcast on YouTube. This is Julian Herrera, Editor-in-Chief of The Prospector, reporting for The Prospector. Unearthing an El Paso legend lost to time. In El Paso, Texas, campfire tales of famous urban legends tied to the predominant Mexican culture and campus ghouls that stalked the halls long after their untimely demise have remained claims to fame for the city, making it onto national most haunted lists and keeping rowdy children obedient at bedtime. Chilling tales are staples of any city around long enough to see tragedy, but history does not recognize anomalies equally. Some stories simply fell through the cracks when they stopped being scary. Others were simply too gruesome for the public to speak, fearing they might evoke the spirit and fall victim to it themselves. This is one such tale. As the gnarled fingers of the Rio Grande cottonwood trees grew bare in autumn, circa 1890, Douglas E. Milton struck wood beneath the stony dirt of a recently occupied plot in Concordia Cemetery. There were valuables that adorned the earthly vessels of those wealthy enough to buy out sections of the cemetery for their own denomination but even more money to be made if their inner workings could be accessed within an hour or so. There were valuables that adorned the earthly vessels of those wealthy enough to buy out the sections of the cemetery for their own denomination, but even more money to be made if their inner workings could be accessed within an hour or so of being committed to the soil. As grotesque as this practice is, it was considered vital after laws were passed outlawing the use of corpses in anatomical studies. Considering the exponential growth of medical schools in the 19th century, many feared a decline in the quality of education for those studying to cure ailments through orthodox methods if they did not have access to cadavers. The body is reunited with the soul during their resurrection, according to Christian doctrines, and you can't very well unite with a butchered husk, said Craig Zeman, a local talisman crafter and archivist of North American urban legends. What happened to Milton? Well. There's just no putting that back together. Desecration of the mortal body was considered one of the worst punishments to be sentenced to. Accounts of trials during the period detail that some of the persecuted did not react to being sentenced to death, but lost all sensibility if permission was granted to perform dissection, as it was essentially determining on earth that their soul could not be saved. As more people began voicing their disgust of the practice, grave robbing was eventually considered far too inhumane and a violation of dignity. This did not stop it from occurring, naturally, as demand for cadavers increased and people were likely to turn their eye if the body was of an impoverished or criminal individual. However, under the cover of a moonless night, Milton could not see and mistakenly violated the grave of a child who succumbed to tuberculosis. The father of the child, Francis Josere, was standing not 100 yards from the grave smoking when he heard the noise. Upon discovering Milton in the grave, he promptly pulled him out of the hole by his neck. Schroeser dragged Milton a short distance away as he pleaded for his life through gargled screams, promptly taking his digging tools and smashing every bone in Milton's body. As legend has it, Milton did not die. Each blow dealt by Schroeser was strong enough to shatter bones, but never broke through skin. So there he lay. No one found him as he swelled and throbbed in agony until he passed due to the heat, starvation, or both. It does not surprise me no one wants to remember this. It's nasty. And who wants to take the risk of being related to him? Said Leo Arst's PhD. The story is bad as it is, but I think it's fallen out of story circles because of the implications of knowing about the story at all. You become conscious of things that are once innocuous, and that stays with you for life. Story is bad as it is, 
but I think it's fallen out of story circles because of the implications of knowing about the story at all. You become conscious of things that were once innocuous, and that stays with you for life. Just like any other restless spirit of a violent, untimely death, Douglas E. Milton is said to wander the streets of the city in perpetual suffering, and it may explain a number of strange noises that residents report throughout the year. Milton's spirit, a manifestation of his corpse left to rot, walks on splintered legs, a mangled spine, and waves his pulverized arms around in a crooked dance through alleyways and residential areas, looking for his place of rest that does not exist. Have you ever thought it strange that firecrackers popped in the distance out of season? Or perhaps your neighbor shifts gravel and glass at odd hours of the night, but you never look, fearing they'll spot you peering through the curtains? It may be neither of those things, and you just blissfully ignored the stumbling sack of flesh and bones that is Douglas E. Milton. Art's response refers to the supposed curse of telling the story itself. The tale has largely been buried in the annals of U.S. history because it is believed to bring death upon those that hear it. The sounds of his spirit are largely dismissed as noise pollution among the many odd occurrences in the night, but knowledge of his existence makes it impossible to ignore. To some, he is a harbinger of suffering and unrest, often appearing to those that are soon to lose a loved one, or as a messenger of their recently deceased that has not accepted their own demise and shake violently beneath the earth to be led back up into the world of the living. Regardless of what you believe, now that you are aware of his presence, there is nothing you can do to tune out the sounds. May mercy be upon those that are unfortunate enough to face them bones. The following story was written by contributor Julia Lucero. With Halloween right around the corner, YouTube students were asked to share some of their spookiest stories. Junior Zach Johnson said, Last summer is when he experienced his scariest ghostly encounter. Zach said he noticed late at night that the air purifier outside his room started to sound muffled, as it usually does when someone walks in front of it. Only this time, his mom and brother were asleep and his dad was working a graveyard shift, Johnson said. He went to check to see what was causing the muffled noise, only to find nothing there. Knowing he wouldn't be able to fall back asleep, he stayed up to do some dishes, Johnson said. And uh, as I was doing them, I heard like a knocking noise. Like The way my, ki my kitchen's positioned, like here's my kitchen, my dad's office is like behind me and to the left. And that's where I was hearing the knocking noise coming from. And that whole time, like, I just, like, I'm being watched. Right? Like, the, the typical feeling, like, I'm sure everyone's felt it, like, you're being watched. Someone's watching you. Junior Claudia Guillen said her experience happened at around the ages of 9 and 10. Her house alarm went off at 2 a.m. during a dark and stormy night. When her parents went to shut off the noise, it went off again moments later. When they finally turned the alarm off, she heard footsteps coming up the stairs next to her bedroom, Guillen said. Um, and I'm still scared to this day, so... Junior Ivan Bernal says he's believed in ghosts ever since he was a child. When Ivan was 11 years old at a sleepover with his cousins, the door of the bedroom he was sleeping in slammed shut, and the lights suddenly turned on. Knowing everyone else was asleep in a different room, he ran out, Bernal said. Um, and yeah, so it was just a whole bunch of stuff that I've grown up with and I have experienced. Ivan says that in his previous home and in his current one, he hears people walking inside when no one is home. And then I remember at one of our older houses, um, I remember seeing like a lot of people, like not a lot of people, like a lot of instances where people would pass by, but no one was.
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Prospector Podcast. Join us next time for an all-new Minor Perspective.